2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of, as you know, with yours truly, Aaron Everham. This week on the, the podcast, I'm going to be speaking with one of my good friends, Brian Kemenaw, um, 11-time All-Star Championship crew chief, uh, four consecutive championships in a row. But not only that, he's a wonderful guy, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with him and hearing a little bit more about his story.
3: perfection isn't easily achieved. It takes hard
1: work, dedication, and perseverance. Through their commitment to excellence, sage company has been supplying customers with the best tree fruit in the Pacific Northwest for over three generations. They work hard on the farm, in the packing facilities, and with their retail partners to provide consistent, high-quality apples and pears all year long. Look for sage fruit at your local grocery.
2: Brian. How are you?
3: Pretty good, Aaron. How are you doing?
2: Good. Well, I appreciate you coming on with me today. Um, I just want to talk about kind of all things, your career, sprint cars and uh, have some fun. So I thought we'd get started with going back to the beginning of it. Like, how did you and your family get into racing way back when?
3: Well, believe it or not, when I was 10 years old, that was when my dad owned, you know, our first family car. So, I mean, back then a guy by the name Alice guy drove it and uh which Brian Lisky is the announcer at Attica Raceway Park you know he's been you know been around doing it a long time also announcing but then every year since then you know we've just raced like my dad had cars up through 1988 and then you know just raced with Mark Keegan a lot around the Attica Fremont and then that time after that, you know, Chad was at the age in his early 20s. We started running the All-Stars. We got Underground, U, the UUI car as a sponsor. And, and John was a great car owner um, for realistically almost 11 years. So, yeah. and it's just crazy where times went, you know, <laughs> of all the years. And you think you're here, wow, I'm 57 years old here and, and still wake up every day. Wanting to win, I I don't understand what's wrong with me. I hope, I hope, I get better here before long.
2: (laughs) You're smoking like a true racer. Now, did you ever drive? Obviously, you talked about your dad had cars, and and I obviously know your brother drove. But did you ever race?
3: No, I I never. I never ever raced once in my life. Now, I did, believe it or not, in 2002. um, You know, Hewitt had the two-seater, so it was a Saturday or a Sunday at Fremont. There was a, the two seater was at Fremont and Jack had gotten hurt. So Chad was given two seater rides at Fremont. I said, Hey, let's do the two seater. We'll make some changes to the car so I can feel what it feels like. And it was a really beneficial day, you know, for, I I learned a lot by just taking a ride, you know? Um, And it was, it's, it's, it was, you know, for me, it it was good, but as in me ever racing, never I have have way more common sense than that
2: (laughs) I don't know about that you've been around the sport a long time Um, you mentioned getting in the car that day and just how influential that was to feel the car you know we talked to other crew chiefs I talked to Bernie Stubgeon uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast and he talked about that racing experience himself gave him so much more of an understanding to to listen to a driver's feedback and to feel the car Uh, is, is that kind of what you're speaking of
3: Yes. I learned that day that loose sucks when it's dry (laughs) slick and you definitely don't want to be loose. And that's probably been a, a bad omen for me because ever since then I've just always had tight race cars and, and uh, you know, just, but I, I can tell you the feeling I'll I mean the respect that I have for (laughs) you as a driver and all those drivers, it's just crazy. I'll never forget putting the helmet on sitting in the back and thinking, There's no room for any other cars out here. How these other guys in it, you know, and then there's 24 (laughs) other people. No way. Not for me.
2: That's That's why you'll never hear me.
3: No, not me.
2: That's awesome. Your years that you worked with Chad and uh, the UUI car you were speaking of and had so much success with the all-stars. I think you were uh, four straight championships. Talk about the success then. That's when I got to, to know you a little bit and you guys were just so dominant. I mean, you've always had success, but those, that particular time frame that you had, you guys were unstoppable.
3: Yeah, back then. I mean, it was crazy. Um, you know, Chad was getting really good in his prime. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, and we were, we had, John gave us the best stuff. I mean, he never, ever skimped on the equipment. Um, (laughs) and when you race Attica Fremont, these areas around here, you have to be able to compete when you win here. I feel you can go in anywhere. So then when we start going to Eldora and learning Eldora and learning the big tracks, it got easier and better and better and better. And needless to say, I mean, it, it, it was never, I'm not going to say it was never easy. It was always hard, you know, because you're hard on yourself because you want to win, you yeah. know, it's, it's uh, but the success we had back then was very, very good. I think the last year we ran the all-stars with the 15k car i think we won nine races that year and uh then the next year we went to the outlaws and that's when we met you and it's just crazy how the you know that's 17 years ago now 18 years ago where'd time go
2: yeah i'm I'm wondering the same thing so
3: you
2: you worked a lot of years with your brother and i know you guys have had a rough road ups and downs but what oh, was yeah. it like? You don't see a lot of family members working together. It, was there a part of you that kind of just understood each other just because you're family?
3: Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's family deals are tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is. I mean, it's tough without racing, let alone racing. And <laughs> yeah. then, then you're, you, you put the stress of you want to do good. And I think there's times there's no doubt in my mind through our, Careers of racing, I think we've raced together for almost on and off, probably 12 to 15 years. And a lot of the problems that we had was probably he felt maybe he was letting me down and I was letting him down. Mm. And you, you know, you take the blame on each not to put it on each other, you take the blame and you put it towards yourself. And Mm. it's it's just and honestly, it's all misperceived. You know what I mean? um it's just you look back at the years the older you get you think wow you were too hard on yourself you were too hard on you took the fun out of it you know what I mean yes. but but when you want to win and you want to be a champion that's what champions do you know they don't yes. they take it serious you know because if you don't you're not going to be a champion you know yeah,
2: and do you think that is intensified when you're working with a family member when you're working with just any driver you don't maybe have that that much pressure on yourself I mean you always do but no, no, you're,
3: you're exactly right. Cause I mean, even the, you know, me and Shafe had a lot of very, very good success, you know, them four years that we raced together. Um, and it was a lot of the same stuff. You, it's just, it, it's a lot of it's self-inflicted. It just, it really is. If you could take it all back and you'd say, why didn't you just relax? You know what I mean? But, in the same breath, somebody has to make the call. Somebody has to do this. Somebody has to do that. And people, I don't think, realize all the decisions that are made to put a team together from start to finish, to go up and down the road, to win, to win, not let alone one All-Star championship, but 11 of them. You know, in, <laughs> in three different decades, I've been fortunate enough to do That's it. Amazing. You know, I've been very, very, very blessed. I'm not going to lie to you. It's... Back with Fred Linder, I had a very good teacher. You know, he taught me how to, the cleanliness part, to do things Mm -hmm. the right way, taught me how to be a mechanic, taught me how to just maintain stuff. You know, we didn't have the money with my dad's car to do things the right way, but we still won two, two all-star championships, you know, back when I was, might as well say uh, a year out of high school and three years out of high school. So it's kind of crazy. And we didn't have any help then. It was just more or less two of us.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to ask you about your mentors. Like, you know, everybody in their life has people that have taught them important things about the sport, about life in general. You know, I think about even my husband, Ray, like he talks about, he gives so much credit to Roger Penske and Jay Signori from IROC that taught him all these systems and all these ways to do things. You know, who were those people? You mentioned Fred Linder, but who were the other people that were influential to you when you were just kind of getting going as a, as a mechanic or crew
3: chief? Um, there's, you know, Fred, Fred, I'm not going to lie to you, was my number one, because from the time when he drove my dad's car, I was at that 14, 15 year old stage where he's teaching me how to do my schoolwork. And if I don't stay on the honor roll, you're not going to the races. Mm-hmm. And I need you. This is, how, you know, back then that's how he made his living. He taught me, you know, yeah. he taught me, he taught me how to. I hate to say it, to be a man. You know, um, he was probably my a number one, just because for six years we were together every single day. Then yeah. you know, then for two years I was with Hewitt. You know, going to Austria, <laughs> and
2: he was a really good mentor in a lot wow.
3: of ways. for Sure, <laughs> he was a real good mentor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good and bad that no, that's a that different was,
2: show we'll we'll talk about the other that, that
3: could be a very bad show here and you better not go there, but no, <laughs> it was a lot of fun that I'll never you know it's just them the two years with him, you know from Australia to back to the states and you know back and forth, and it's like you learn you know a lot of things you know what I mean that, that you learn life I mean it's crazy how but it's just you know and then you're just blessed by all the different people that, that you meet. And, yeah. you know, but, but I would say my number one and inf- most important person that taught me the most to get to where I am, that would, would have been Fred. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. he, he picked me up from school every day. I couldn't drive. So he would pick me up and go straight to the race shop and build parts. And, and that's what we did, you know, and it was crazy because really, You know, I mean, when, you know, Johnny Bieber drove my dad's car from like 76 to 80, but then, you know, I would have, you know, been that, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. But when I got to 15, 16, then it was like, you know, not that John didn't teach me a lot, but Fred really taught me a lot on being on the road, you know, (laughs) from driving trucks and trailers to, I mean, just everything, you know, taking care and, you know, doing, doing a lot of stuff. so.
2: That's awesome. You mentioned Tim Schaefer before your years with mm-hmm. him. Uh, I, I want to talk about the 2010 Knoxville nationals. Uh, it was a, it was a big year for me too. It was a big year for both of us, but um, being a part of it, uh, that year was special for me too, to see you win the race. Like we've been friends for a long time and I just thought, you know I feel like it was we all know it was kind of an upset for you and Tim to go out there and kick everyone's butt like you did. Talk about that accomplishment. Is that is that your biggest accomplishment, your greatest accomplishment and and talk about the whole that whole week.
3: Probably my biggest accomplishment. I have to put in perspective as my wife and my daughter. Oh yeah. But but there's nothing like winning the Knoxville Nationals. You know, I'm very proud to say and very a lot of people don't know that when you and Ray came to Kistler's and I can remember Ray looking at me and he says, I want to get my wife in the Knoxville nationals. And I said, it'll happen. We'll get her there. Did we make it happen? We did. And I, you know, I'll never forget the feeling, pushing the car back to the trailer. And after everyone was gone, two people were there, you and Ray. And that was a big day. That was a big day for me and Tim and a big day for you and Ray. That's what a lot of people realize the friendships that me and you have, me and Ray have. Um, That stuff you never forget. Never.
2: Absolutely not. No, I cherish our friendship. And to this day, I still wish I had the chance to work with you. I think we could have kicked
3: some butt. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Last year at (laughs) Charlotte, I had a car for you to drive. And I was helping on Wayne's car and I said, Hey, we can run Jason side second car. It's already down. And you said, no, I can't remember that. So don't say that.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, that did happen. And size was ready to let me hop in that car, but you know, I, oh, I need a little, little more one, preparation for that. I mean, it, I'm, I'm rusty. I've been out of the seat a long time.
3: I'm sure you could still drive one.
2: Oh goodness. So I, I want to talk about drivers, you know, obviously you work with years with your brother. You mentioned uh-huh. Jack Hewitt. You talk about yeah. um, Schaefer. Of all the drivers you work with, who would you say had the most natural talent?
3: Wow. Uh, That's
2: a little hard question. They're all it's, great.
3: It's, you know what's crazy? They're great drivers, but a kid that had a lot of talent that people don't realize, we only raced probably two years together, two and a half years by, I don't know if you remember a kid named Danny Holgraver. Mm hmm. Yeah, He, for a kid that only raced Western Pennsylvania, he was very, 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 very good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and a great kid. And now he's, you know, married and three kids, got twins. Um, But he he's very good. You know what? Chad's got a lot of talent. Tim's got talent. I've been blessed to kill Conley, but I'm hoping right now. Yeah. I mean, he, he won a championship last year in fast we've won all-star races with kale. We've won, we ran second to right. So in the, um, Ohio speed point championship two years ago, I mean, you, you try to surround yourself with good people, but in the same breath, when you work hard on the shop and your cars are prepared, when you go there, you're going to be competitive, you know? And I still feel, I still feel that (laughs) you gotta be 110 percent prepared or don't go you know
2: absolutely what are your favorite um drivers to work with or characteristics is it a driver who just get in gets in there and wheels it and maybe doesn't have a lot of feedback or is it someone who really is calculated and gives you a lot of information or again is it kind of a mix of all that
3: well i i do like feedback i really do that makes it easier but i've also i feel i don't know why i've been very blessed to read a race car and, um, just fix it. You know what I mean? I, I, I watch my shock indicators a lot. You know, I, I pay attention. I know everyone says you're nervous. You don't even watch you walk in circles. Well, (laughs) I I, I do get nervous, but I, people don't realize I watch a race car so hard. Sometimes it's, it's actually, I wish I could enjoy it more, but it's, it's what I've always did. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. So, um, and it's somebody's life at stake. So you try to make the right call. So it's, uh, it's definitely challenging sometimes, you know, it's definitely, cha- it's, it's, it's really good. You know, like even last year, I got to race with Ian Madsen, I think eight times. And we made, uh, we ran six top tens in World of all races and made the Knoxville nationals with Ian. Yeah. I mean, we really, <laughs> we really hit it off good for six or six or eight races. So, um, you know, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy how blessed I am been with good race car drivers. And then, you know, it's crazy what they say. Wow. BK, you, you're pretty, you understand these race cars, you know, pretty neat. And now, and, and, you know, um, my son-in-law is Christopher Bell. So now, you know, I've been to New Zealand racing sprint cars with him. I've helped him on midgets. And then now we're helping his little micro program. And we we have actually won a couple of micro pro, micro races and well, one in Oklahoma City, one in Tulsa. I think we've ran uh, out of eight races, six top six top threes. So we're having a lot of fun with that little car now, too.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Well, I want to talk family in, in a little bit, but um Wanted to talk about the evolution of, well, I want to go a few different directions, but first I want to talk about sprint cars. Like the evolution of a sprint car hasn't been that much of an evolution, right? They're pretty it's simple. Really not. Um, what would you say the biggest advancements have been? I'm guessing shock technology, motors, but where have you really seen sprint cars change? I mean, like you said, they really haven't changed a whole lot.
3: B- believe it or not, the frames, other than going to a raised rail car, yeah. are realistically Close to the same as they have been for 20 years. Um, now, when you're talking tires, that's different. You're talking mm-hmm. engines. In the last 20 years, have gotten over 200 more horsepower. It's it's crazy. They used to be 750. Now they're 940. You know, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is you can use that engine to qualify, but anymore you cannot. You have got to detune so much on the engine, or you're not even going to be close in the future. You know. So I think the engines has made, if anything, our program, our racing harder just because you better be pretty sharp with your engine on detuning. You're not going to compete, you know? Yeah. So, because like you said, the cars, I mean, the wings, they've been 25 square foot for, (laughs) you know, forever. I mean, there's sure they were dished for a while and then, you know, now they're flat, but as a whole, everything is, nothing's changed that much, you know?
2: Yeah. That's so crazy. When you talk about detuning a motor for someone who hasn't been really involved in, I don't even know, 10, 12 years now and wasn't super mechanical. What are the, what are ways that you detune for a feature?
3: Um, that's crazy. I, I mean, there's a lot of times it's only me and my wife at the racetrack, you know that. Yeah. And I'm busy working on the car. So like there's what they call reducer stacks and then change Uh nozzles. But the reducer stacks, I feel, are the safest and easiest because you don't really have to change your fuel. You don't really have to take any fuel lines off. You know, you can just change your more or less your your air cleaner and your stacks and knock down 65 to 75 horse and be pretty competitive at that. So and it's something that she does pretty well, pretty fast.
2: Wow. Look at her go. So yeah. how long have you been doing? Is that something that you've always done or is that more recent since the horsepower increase?
3: It's I've only been detuning and this is crazy, but I've only been detuning probably since 2017, 2016.
2: Yeah. You know, and
3: I, and I should have been detuning. Honestly, I just didn't, I didn't believe in it. Cause I thought I'm a good enough mechanic to overcome it. Yeah. But, but I'm not, you know, and I, and then I realized, Hey, everyone else is doing it, Brian, you better start doing it. You're never going to win. Yeah. So then, then it's just like, anymore, as soon as you're done qualifying, you're, you're trying to knock down 50, 60 horsepower and, you know, like go to Attica last week and watch it. You know, you could have, you could have qualified detuned, you know, you could have qualified yeah. with a 850 horse engine instead of a 950 horse engine.
2: And how do you, what is that fine line? Obviously it has to do with the moisture and the track and the way the track is, but what it, how do you know and how far do you detune?
3: Well, for me, I pay attention to straightaways. When the straightaways, when you're spinning, I would say from halfway down and into the corner, mm-hmm. I think there, that's where it's really critical. Because if the driver, if that motor, what I call it, breaks loose, then they're trying to drive two foot, getting into the corner, breaking throttle, then they yeah. can't be smooth. So I as soon as I see dust and I walk out on the if I see straightaways hard and slick, I'm, I'm going to detune because its it's just it doesn't hurt, it helps everything. It helps torque coming off the corner. you know there's detuning helps a lot. it really yeah. does. yeah.
2: You know, we talk to a lot of drivers about the feel of the car or things that they're feeling as they're driving. But one thing we don't really talk about is when we talk to crew chiefs about watching the car. And it's something I've always been fascinated with, because obviously being a driver, you can watch a car and you can say, oh, the man, they look really loose or, oh, they're tight. But watching a race with someone like you or some of the crew or even with Ray at a pavement race, like whole C stuff. And I'm like, how do you know that car's tight? Like, it doesn't look like, it, it's crazy to me what you guys see as crew chiefs, as mechanics, you, you see the balance of the car way more things than I think even us drivers, or I don't even know if I classify as a driver anymore, but I just want to talk about that. Like when you're watching a car, you see, you guys see the most like minute changes that the, no one in the stands that would ever even have a clue what you're looking at.
3: Right. For me, I mean, I'm going to, you know, first off, look at, front tires front wheels you know how they how they're what direction they're pointing and then i try to look at my left you know like if when the car is on the racetrack you can tell if it's driving up the racetrack on exit or if it's yeah. through some entrance but then no matter what as soon as the car comes in even before i don't ever get right in the driver's face and ask him questions i like to walk around look at my right front shock travel look at my right rear shock travel i always look at my shocks first always mm-hmm. and then that's what I've just always done, you know, because them little indicators. They're not very smart for 29 cents, but they know a lot. They, <laughs> you know, they, they know when it's down and up and you can see what your car is doing by just watching your shock indicators, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's how I've raced my whole life, you know, but I do watch the car a lot on the racetrack and I'm very blessed that I can thank God I've made a lot of good calls and, won a lot of all all races and won some all-star races.
2: Yeah. Just some, just a few, just a few, just a few. Brian, what are some things like, what are some controversial things that have been in, in sprint car racing that, you know, some people don't like to talk about, but whether it's like you know, is there, was there a time or is there a time now where tire soaking is an issue, you know, for years on and off, people have talked about traction control. What are things that you know as a mechanic, as someone who works in the the parts supply business, um, what are some things that you think over the years have been controversial?
3: Well, you just hit on the main ones, you know, you don't hear traction control anymore. Yeah. You know, you did back in 2005, six, you know, but I you don't even hear. It. I work in an engine shop. You don't ever hear it. Um, mm-hmm. And then now this year, you hear this stuff, you know, about tire soaking, whether it's happened or not. We'll we'll never know, you know. Yeah. Um, everyone thought me and Schaefer was cheating because we could compete with the Outlaws. All them guys thought we soaked our tires all the time, but they always took our tires. They never. We. I would never cheat, you know. Yeah. Um, we ran used tires. <laughs> You know, we never even hardly bought new tires. We ran used ones. So, but, you know, mainly that, that I would say is probably, you know, you're always getting people trying you know, big engines, small engines. You know, I, I will say one thing, they don't pump engines anymore. So how do you know someone's not running a 430 cubic inch yeah. engine or a, a yeah. 415? Cause nobody pumps engines anymore. I don't know if it's because they don't know how. You know, Knoxville, no, Knoxville does, you know, yeah. if you, if you do good in Knoxville, you're going to get pumped, but you know, nobody pumps an engine at at, a, at an all-star race or an all race. They just don't, That's so I, I, but they don't though. They have it for years.
2: Now you we are talking about having so much horsepower, and not being able to get it to the ground. What advantage other than qualifying would it be to have a big motor?
3: yeah i don't think there is any advantage i think it's, it hurts
2: qualifying so important so yeah
3: it's here i've always said this Your nights, your nights based on 30 seconds yeah, after them yeah. 30 seconds of qualifying them two laps you're that's your whole night that puts you in position to win yeah um you know but after that i i just i just don't think that it matters i just yeah. you know they, I think that you better be able to detune. De- yeah. It's yeah, it's critical. Yeah.
2: So switching topics, you've worked for Paul Kisler for many years. What has that been like, or, and has it helped you being in the the parts industry to help you with what you're doing? You know, at the racetrack on the weekends. And and Paul's a great guy. Obviously, I've had the chance to work with him a bunch throughout my career. Um, but but talk about that aspect of your job.
3: Well. I've been even before here at Paul, I worked at Kears for for almost nine years. And then now I'm here for it's actually going on, it's 15 years this year. So now, you know, 15 years ago we started this. Wow. And it's and it's crazy. You know, we we sell, we're very fortunate, about 50, 50 race cars a year, maxims. Um, we have built complete operations for people. People don't realize when David Gravel first got started. He came here. Um, we truck trailer, two cars, two engines. Pushed everything in his trailer, and they left for Florida. And here we are, David Gravel, thirteen years later, is is fighting for an outlaw championship. You know, I can remember telling Ray and telling Dave Senior that's going to take him fifteen years to be an outlaw champion. Because look at Donnie Shots. I mean, yeah. Don, Donnie. I mean, his first whatever eight or ten years weren't very good, but, but he's made up for him. These last ones, I'm telling you, he's, he's good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: uh, Oh, go ahead. ahead. You're good. Oh, I was just, I was going to move on. I was just, you know, speaking of of those drivers and I want to talk about the competition level now. I mean, obviously sprint car racing has always been tough. It's always been a fight for the wins, but right now it seems across the board, outlaws, all-stars, you know, local stuff in Ohio, Midwest, even California are, the competition level as seems as great as I've ever seen
3: it. That is very true. And a lot of it is because of places like here, like we have two rollers to build this month. When I'm talking rollers, yeah. people will come to the track. I want you to build my car turnkey. So we're, we're going to drop an engine in it, race it. I mean, I'm talking full Titan, the best that you can buy. It's, it's everywhere. It's here. It's Benix. It's at Bernie's you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, me, Bernie, Scott, you know, we're probably the three biggest I feel in the country that can go help build a team fast. We understand the, the, we understand the sport and, you know, me and Scott are the same age, almost 58 years old. You know, I know Bernie's a little younger than us, but he does a good job. He's a go-getter, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's crazy. You got to be hands-on and you're, you don't really realize you work seven days a week, 365 days, you're constantly working, you know, yes. to succeed, you know, to be a winner.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking, you know, of you and Bernie and Scott and the parts industry in general, you know, I hate to ask these questions because everyone's dealing with it right now, but you know, we, we hear about parts, supply chain issues. you know, supply chain issues. And obviously the hot topic right now is, is tires and if we're going to run out or what, what is your take on all that right now?
3: Well, I mean I, I I don't like to be a negative person on anything so I would rather not talk about it too much I think we're all going to get through it. Yeah. Um, I talked to Neil myself on Monday. Um I hope in here first of November, first of November, first of May um, that we all get a allotment of right rears, mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll get easier, you know. Yeah. Um you know, I'm not going to be negative on it. I I kind of feel bad for Hoosier, yeah. I feel bad for everyone. I mean, no, none of us want to be in this spot, whether mm-hmm. it's they don't have the manpower to build it or they don't have the supply. It doesn't matter. We don't have it. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to fix hollering and screaming about it. Yeah. We just need to, you know, maybe try to stick to one tire a night it will help a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Brett Marks the other night, and I've said this forever. I wish they would all just go to one tire. Just yeah. everyone around a medium, you know, and then maybe a 15 on the left rear. And then that way things don't wear as bad. I'm not saying it's the right fix, but I think it's the right yeah. direction. You know, we we have to do something different to make to try to make it better. We have to do something.
1: NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country, offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel. This show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate your positive take on it. And I hate to even ask the question, but I also feel like sometimes, especially talking to someone who's in the industry and knows it, it's kind of the elephant in the room. So I appreciate oh, no.
3: That's your good. positive I, take. It's, it's just, it just, it's stinks because everyone wants to talk about it and everyone wants to be mad about it, but it isn't going to fix anything. You know, it's, yeah. it's not going to fix anything. We're yeah. all going to get through it, hopefully in three or four weeks, you know, and If everyone's smart about it, we'll be fine. You know, I'm going to be positive about it, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of positive things, I want to talk about your family. You mentioned your, your son-in-law, Christopher Bell, but since I've known you, your wife and your daughter have been at the racetrack with you. And I've I've always admired that about you. you see, so many racers on the road who, you know, unfortunately, whether it's by their, by control or not, their families aren't a part of what they're doing all the time. And I've always admired that about you. I have pictures of myself with, uh, your daughter from, gosh, she was so little. So it makes me feel old, but you
3: realize about- that, is, that was 2006. Oh, she was on the world of outlaws with us for that three months. Yeah. Yeah. I have that picture. We have that picture in the house. You have the same picture. Yep. And you and her stand there. She would have been either 11 or 12. Yeah. And there you were in your driver's uniform. And it's just crazy that Morgan will be 25 next Wednesday. 25. That's- you know, um, I'm a lucky dad. You know, she was very smart, um, graduated third in her class, never was in any trouble, was all all sports, her whole all the way through from sixth grade up. I mean, from cheerleading to to volleyball to track. She was always busy. Stacy was always there coaching her. Yeah. Um Stacy was a coach for four years, I think, in high school and cheer, her cheer coach. And then, you know, people don't realize my last, ever since Morgan's been gone the last seven years, Stacy helps me every single night in the garage. I mean, she literally, from washing the trucks and trailers and building front ends and... That's awesome. I mean, last night, there we were, you know, working on everything and I'm watching her cleaning the air cleaners and cleaning the nozzles when I'm doing the bars and the driveline and never says a word, just keeps right on working. It's just... Your That's awesome. all done, and you know how it is. It's just, and here you go. We're not kids anymore. I'm in. I'm <laughs> pushing sixty, and she's fifty-two. You know, it's like, I got man, man, I got to start giving her a break. I mean, she's going to start charging me <laughs> here before long.
2: That's awesome, but truly, so. really, I, I think that's one thing I've really always admired about you is your family's Thank always you. been close, and, and you're you're just wonderful people. But I, you know, I have to ask you. So Morgan has probably found one of the nicest race car drivers in the world to marry, but was there a, a not like a you couldn't date drivers rule? Because I know Ray's kind of already set that in place for our daughter.
3: <laughs> it was actually it was actually crazy because you know she's you know I can remember. Like guys like Tim Schaefer saying, you know, BK, man, I'm not liking all these boys around the car. You know, <laughs> and this is when she's 14, 15. I'm like, Tim, I don't know. He goes, Man, I mean, she's here working, she does fuel, she does tires, she does. We can't have anybody messing with our our crew girl, you know. I'm like, but Tim, <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't tell her no. You know what I mean? It's like, and then I'll never forget she was 16, Christopher was 18. And she's like, Dad, do you know, have you heard of Christopher Bell? And I'm like, yeah. Do you mind if he comes over for dinner tomorrow on Sunday and needless to say, here we go. It's seven, eight years later, and they've been married for two and a half years now. And he's the best, he's the best son-in-law that I could ever have.
2: Yeah. What is it? What has that been like the the journey of being a a father-in-law? You you know, you have a wonderful daughter, a wonderful son-in-law, but your son-in-law is not just any average guy. He's one of the best race car drivers probably in the world right now. He's racing in NASCAR cup series. And I know for us, sprint car racers, that's not the end all be all, but it's still pretty darn impressive. And to be a part uh, of that through Morgan, to go to the cup races, to see the stuff that that Christopher is doing. How cool is that as a father-in-law?
3: It's, it's incredible. It's actually breathtaking. Sometimes I mm-hmm. sit back and say, well, you're a lucky dad. And I really am. I mean, yeah. um, and the, just the, the time that me and him get to spend together. Um, and we love the same thing. We love racing. That's what it is. You know, he loves yeah. the same thing that I love. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. we wake up in the morning, sometimes texting each other at quarter after eight in the morning what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know? And it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. And it's, I just don't stop. You know, it's, it's been a, I just look at time and I look at Morgan turning 25 next, next week. And I'm like, my daughter's not little anymore. She's a woman, you know, she's, it's crazy, you know?
2: Yeah. So I know you, we had talked for years that eventually the plan might be to move to old stock car country to, to North Carolina. Is that still part of your, you and Stacy's plan?
3: Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Cool.
2: Well, I think that we're pretty good. I wanted to ask you um, a few quick, like rapid fire questions. Okay. I thought it would be fun. Um, okay. So here we go. What is your favorite truck stop? Loves. All right. What about your favorite track food?
3: Ah, uh, chili dog.
2: <laughs> what track is it from?
3: Attica's chili dogs are pretty good.
2: <laughs> I knew there was. What's your favorite <laughs> hotel chain on the road?
3: Um, probably the Holiday Inn Express.
2: What's because your you're so
3: smart. When you, you're get, when you stay there, you're smart in the morning when you wake up.
2: Yeah, and you do get the continental breakfast. I That's know that.
3: exactly right. Exactly right.
2: What's your uh? Favorite fast food on the road?
3: I'm going to stick with Wendy's. I was
2: going to say, you don't go wrong. I knew this answer.
3: You say, hold on here. We've ate Wendy's (laughs) a lot together. You know that.
2: We did have a lot of Wendy's together. (laughs) What about your favorite car wash? Is there a favorite car wash in the country that you'd like to go to?
3: Boy, there's one right there on 224 outside of (laughs) Tiffin that is, it's only maybe five years old and it is so bright. The lights are good. Water's hot. And soap is incredible. So it's crazy how you look for the best car washes. It's nuts, but it's it's just weird when you, you think of them things, but it's what racers do. Yeah. Am I right or not? That's That's, that's why I
2: kind of thought about doing this rapid fire. Like these are only questions you could ask sprint car
3: people because everyone oh, else, crazy. what the
2: heck are you talking about?
3: Oh, I know. It's awesome. That's a number of good questions.
2: Oh, awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time. You know, I've always admired you and um, I look forward to our past crossing in the future.
3: Aaron, thank you for the time. I really appreciate all our years and friendships together with Ray and yourself, and helping you make the Knoxville Nationals in 2010 was very, very important for me too. Yes, and uh, it was really very, very awesome. So it was. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of time together when we get down to North Carolina. I promise you that. That's and awesome. And uh,
2: maybe if you need a, a driver in one of those micros, maybe I can maybe I can get back behind the wheel in a micro.
3: Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm open right. a bag we'll of worms here, a can of worms. Awesome. Well, okay. thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Go uh, take care of your customers. You have coming to to pick up a car, whatever it was you said yep, earlier. They,
3: they just they're actually staying right outside the door. So, oh, I boy. appreciate time to go. your time. I appreciate your time and tell so, Ray I said hello and thank you again very much.
2: Will do. Talk take to you care. soon. Thank you, Ryan. Bye.
1: NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country, offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel. This show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.